0: is for entertainment purposes only and does not contain or replace any legal advice.
1: Hello everyone, you're back listening to the Day One Podcast for Law Students. Uh, I'm Declan Peacock and once again, as always, I'm joined by Amelia Hunter. Uh, So welcome back everyone for another episode and hello Amelia.
0: Hi Declan, thanks for that. Um, And hi everyone, today on the show we're going to be talking about legal technology. Uh, And you might not think that law and tech go hand in hand, but when you think about almost every industry that has faced disruption, it's apparent just how much change the legal system will face thanks to innovation brought about by the likes of artificial intelligence uh, and big data. Besides with this, having found okay. ourselves once again in our home offices of, as we go through another snap lockdown and still needing to maintain connections with our colleagues and with our clients. So to explore this further today, we're joined by Vicky Magnamara and Elise Balls. Vicki is head of knowledge at Maddox and has extensive experience working with corporate and legal teams and law firms to deliver projects uh, leveraging knowledge and supporting innovation and efficient legal service delivery. Elise is a special counsel, technology media and telecommunications team we call it TMT for short Uh, Elise is a specialist in telecommunications, regulatory and competition and consumer issues. She regularly coordinates large institutional responses to investigations by the ACCC and ACMA. So thanks for joining us, uh, Elise and Vicky. How are you both going today?
2: Great. Very well. Thank you. Thanks for having us.
1: So... To kick us off, Vicky, you've worked with uh, both sort of large corporate teams and legal teams. Can you give us a bit of background about the work you do generally and and the shift that uh, legal teams have experienced in the last few years in, in respect of technology?
3: Sure. Well, at Maddox, I'm leading the knowledge team, which is made up both of our knowledge lawyers and our library and research team. And We work across several areas of what's broadly labelled as legal operations in the market, uh, which covers knowledge management, legal technology and innovation initiatives, as you mentioned previously. I have practised law a long time ago, but I made the jump into what was then called Precedence Management uh, and that has since morphed into something much more than precedence and technology plays a really big part of what we do um, as a knowledge management team and supporting the firm to work more effectively. So reusing and leverage legal knowledge and experience um, is a really important aspect of knowledge management work. It's the core of, of everything that we do, but technology really
1: enables us to do that more effectively. And so the, the shift of adopting the new technology, I, I think as a sort of a junior lawyer, you think of the the technology shift in the last 12 months being about making everyday working more more easy and more able to be agile and remote but but as i understand it's not just limited to making you be able to work from wherever you are in the world it's about sort of generally a broader technology and larger larger technology to sort of streamline processes so can you give us a bit of sort of how, how what's the relationship between the remote working technology that is very familiar to everybody and sort of the the bigger broader artificial intelligence, general big data technology that's making significant changes to the way we do our jobs? Look, AI isn't all about
3: big systems. There's a lot of AI being built into the day-to-day systems that we're using. And a lot of us have had to shift out to remote working, as you mentioned, and Teams is a really big um, player in our day-to-day work. And there is AI that's been built into those systems by Microsoft. Previously, I worked at Woolies. And uh, there was certainly AI built into the Google um, products that we were using for productivity. So AI is used in those sort of day-to-day productivity tools and, and for collaboration purposes. And even when you get into Word now, there's, there's AI happening in the background that you might not even realise. Sort of the big ticket, the sexy AI that we hear about all the time um, in the legal tech space. And where we're finding that that's introducing efficiencies is in things like contract uh, analysis. Uh, you know, previously, um, we recently we've been using Kira on a very large matter, which uh, previously we might not have been able to handle as easily. It would have required a lot of people sitting in a room with paper for days and days and days on end and a lot of coffee. I think as one of our um, partners put it, it was the sugar and caffeine method of review. And these days we can <laughs> drop those documents into, um, into a system like Kira, and it'll process them very quickly and do a first pass through and give the lawyers um, basically a, a decanted view of what's in the documents and then they can then work through those much more efficiently to actually conduct the review process. So that's good news for young lawyers. Um, I know people like Elise and I probably cut our teeth on doing the sugar and caffeine method of review, but you've got something to look forward to these days if you come <laughs> into a firm like Maddox where we actually have access to the tools that
1: will spare you a lot of calories basically and time. Just a quick one to follow up there. Sorry to go again, Amelia, but I, I'm just interested. is, is the, You see the, you hear these conversations about the role of junior lawyers interacting with technology going two ways one is what you've just said in that it makes your life easier because you're not doing endless sort of discovery work or contract review tasks that take days or weeks at a time but there's the other sort of perspective where if if that work isn't needed to be done then what's the role of junior lawyers moving forward and is there going to be less of a need for for junior 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 hands on on bigger jobs or how do you see that sort of relationship playing out and Are we going to be made redundant by technology? I said is the the broad (laughs) brush of my question.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Will you have a job? Uh, My answer would be, yes, you'll have a job, but it'll be a better job than you might have had if there wasn't the technology there to make your life easier. And uh, look, uh, you know, in my early days of practice, one of my jobs was to stand there feeding um, the fax machine. Now, does anybody on this call even know what a fax machine is anymore? But that was regarded as a very important part, you know, feeding pages and pages through to New York to be signed in the middle of the night. Um, thank God that's over and we can now actually email the document. Now, uh, is anybody regretting the absence of the fax machine? I suspect not. And I think that's what we'll find that what happens is as the quality of the technology improves, the input that the lawyers have to provide or what's required of them also improves. So you're actually operating at a higher level at a lot earlier stage.
2: I can I totally agree with what Vicky said there. I, I mean, that was a huge frustration um, to have to spend hours at a photocopier machine, or you know that, that that was what what the first few years of being having litigation experience was like when I came through. Um, but I think the other aspect to this is um, it's changing what clients expect of external service providers in law. Um, so firms that are not adopting tools. Um, like these and are not kind of changing how we do things are facing clients who don't want to pay lawyers for lawyers time spent on those tasks anymore Um, so so part of the pressure to move with the times is also client expectation about where they could get the same task done you know cheaper internally or cheaper by an alternative legal service provider so it's changing the market and, yes, it will change the, what our jobs look like as lawyers and legal service providers, but I think that that's an exciting uh, thing. Um, it's, it's much, it means that we are being valued for the strategic advice that we can provide. Um, that is very much about our, how we use our knowledge as lawyers, not about um, just getting the mundane tasks done. So I, I see that as really exciting for new lawyers.
0: Um, You've spoken there, Elise, about uh, the changing uh, expectations of clients. How else can legal tech or automation uh, enhance those client relationships that we have and do you have some examples that you can give us of things that uh, we've implemented at Matic? Yeah,
2: sure. so, it's, so especially sitting in the area where I practice, which is telecommunications and technology, you know, what we've done and what we do do is help um, large companies when they're making decisions about buying technology that are going to change how they do business. Um, And we also work with some fairly large in-house legal teams who are also on this journey um, to kind of digitise how they deliver legal services within a company. So what we're finding is um, they're looking to us to um, also hear about our experience in testing what's out there in the market that they can use to improve how they deliver legal services as a legal um, service provider in their own organisation. So one of the things that I'm finding quite interesting is being able to share my journeys from when I was an in-house lawyer um, in a team that was kind of losing 25% of its staff and needing to still deliver the same quality and quantity of legal services to the company through that change. You know, clients are really interested in hearing how to achieve that and our experience um, in Maddox as well on... You know, what are the tools that we're playing with and testing at the moment that are going to make our lives easier in the future? So it's enhanced, like just on a very kind of personal level, um, I'm enjoying um, being on the journey with my clients, empathising with what it is that they need to solve what their challenge is for their practice. And, and so I'm finding that it's, it's throwing up those conversations that are enhancing our relationships with our clients. But also then just fundamentally, we're using tools like yeah, um, here at Maddox, we have Maddox Digital. Um, so one of the sources of friction uh, is usually, you know, firewalls on the client side or limits on the size of emails, the size of documents that can be set by email. We've had Dropbox. We've had all these kind of different third party provided tools. Um, there have been all sorts of security issues with um using a separate kind of ad hoc platform to do that file transfer. So we've developed something called Maddox Digital that creates kind of a curated space to, to store documents that are going to be um, need to be visible from parties in the client and from the teams working on their matters in the, in the Maddox side. And that's just one example of the kind of things that we're developing to improve how we deliver legal services and enhance our relationship um, with our clients.
3: I might chip in with some other examples too. Uh, look, simple things like electro- electronic signing of documents became a really big issue as we all had to switch to remote work, particularly for um, cities or you know, where people are in lockdown, and they can't actually move around to physically sign things. So that was something we were working on clients with. Um, but we had the processes in place, but we weren't having to use them very frequently early on in the piece, and we had to get up to speed on that very quickly as a result of COVID. And the law did shift, um, fortunately, uh, to help support that way of signing documents and smoothing the whole transactional process. And there were a number of clients that we actually did some direct work with to make sure that they were across it as well and could actually keep um, operating uh, during that, you know, those initial stages when everybody was finding their feet. But there's some other things we've been doing too. Um, more recently, we're looking at uh, contract or document automation platforms, which we can use not only to deliver services to clients more efficiently, but also to help clients set up their own services potentially. So it's another revenue stream for us. Um, and you know, certainly the, the newer forms of systems that are out there actually facilitate not just your internal process improvement, but also making sure that that client service delivery piece um, is a lot more flexible than it used to be.
1: Just coming back to the the Maddox Digital example that Elise gave um, and my own experience with that platform, I, for, for whatever reason, I'd never come across Maddox Digital for sort of the first year after it was up and running just because I, I hadn't been told by anybody we're going to use Maddox Digital to, to do this project. And then one day the, the partner I was working for said we're going to brief the, these barristers to... We had a new arbitration come in, and we're gonna. We needed to brief counsel, and I got told use Maddox Digital to do the brief, and I I sort of had the the realization moment where, why have I not done this before? Because I can (laughs) hyperlink every document in the brief it links straight to the the folder for the barristers you can restrict access so that if you you're briefing an an expert to give expert evidence you can make sure they only see the documents that you want them to see and you have a complete record and it really i I sort of couldn't believe that i hadn't utilized that before is that do you find and i suppose that sort of flows into the 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 reputation of rightly or wrongly of, of lawyers as sort of being sort of a little bit like dinosaurs in the uptake of technology when compared to, to sort of corporates generally. Are you finding that that's an isolated experience that I, I, I've had where I've sort of just because it's not the way you do things, why would we do it differently? And then the, the change that happens so quickly when you think, oh, it actually is a better way to do it. Um, is that sort of a common thing in the legal industry or am I just a, a dinosaur?
2: <laughs> no, it's very It's yeah, very, very common. common. Um, so one of the key success factors in the rollout of any new technology is what we call like the change management program around it it's how you if you once you've decided to buy a tool or invest in a tool and make it available internally there is still a cultural piece of how are we going to get this or how we're we going to stimulate uptake of the tool so and, and I think it's it's going to it's really something that needs to be a continual focus. Um, but I think it'll get to the point where, you know, we just we don't just roll out training, but we also train our lawyers on how to give in- instructions internally to juniors that involve, um, you know, referring to the tools that are available to do the job um, that we, you know, that we've invested in in the firm. So, um, yeah, it's going to be un- incumbent upon each of us to kind of think about out you know stand in the shoes of the person who we're asking to do a task and say you know well what are the tools available and and what do i have to remind them that's available there to use so that we are um getting the efficiency gains of having those tools available
1: and do you both think in terms of your experience in the last 12 months do you think i mean i know that I, I don't think the partner that I was working for would have ever said we're going to use Maddox Digital to do this because we, we'll give it a go and see how it works before the pandemic because we probably would have been in the office and delivered a hard – couriered a hard copy brief to the barrister. So yeah. Is, yeah. Is, is, the, is, the, is the the experience of the, the pandemic and working remotely and that how hey, all of this stuff actually works exactly how it's we've been told it works, do you think that's going to change – attitudes sort of moving forward that now it's just not going to be an issue like it was previously and people are just going to say, sure, let's give it a go? I, I don't know if the pandemic's completely changed human nature.
3: <laughs> but, <laughs> but, what, but what I do think, well, maybe some aspects of it, but what I do think is, um, I, and I think there is some hard data around this, which I can't draw upon immediately, but I think the best estimate is the pandemic probably accelerated innovation in terms of uh, tech uptake, not just in legal, but in other industries as well by about five years. So, uh, organisations like Microsoft suddenly realised that collaboration systems were really important, and they chucked their roadmap out the window and rewrote it when COVID came in, so that it could actually um, the product could actually adapt to people's needs. And maybe that's part of it as well. That you know, the products uh, if the product development cycle is fast enough to adapt to the users' needs, then the users can see the value in it, and they're more likely to pick it up and use it. Um so that, that is at least I think in part what's driven some of the positive behaviors in terms of uptake, but also necessity. When you can't operate without um a certain type of technology, if you can't function, if you can't deliver legal services, then you have no option other than to use the tools that are there. Mm.
2: But for the for the people listening to this podcast, I guess if you're starting out at Maddox and you are excited about technology. I guess um, Vicky is a great contact to have because uh, Vicky <laughs> is my way into all the trials with the new funky toys that we're playing with. And then I think it's like open to any one of you to be become an advocate. You, you're more likely to be digital natives than some of the other people who work here or who've worked here for a very long time. So you can really own that role and um, play with the technology that we're trialling and then advocate for it to be used where you see opportunity. Um, I think everybody... Um, will appreciate kind of your enthusiasm and the role that you can play in in kind of um, promoting the use of technology in your teams as well, just just from being curious about it and then also kind of challenging the status quo where you see opportunities
3: too. Mm. And look, sometimes your partners will be really busy and they won't stop To think about you when you're in the moment when you're trying to deliver something to a deadline, you kind of just get on and do things the way you know how to do them, rather than stopping and asking yourself, could you do this better? You know, is there a piece of tech out there that could enable it? Could we change our process so it's more efficient? But as a as a junior lawyer, you have a lot more bandwidth, I suspect. And yes there's the digital native aspect but there's also a freshness i think in in your approach um you haven't you haven't had your mindset uh gone rigid over years of practice i suppose that's that's what i would say and that's not to say that everybody's been in practice for a long time is is closed but sometimes there's habits formed over a long time and it's really hard to break them um so you know and and for one of a a better reason, yeah, it just that's sometimes just how humans are wired. Um, but look, there's lots of chances to get involved in tech trials and you know, get involved in our ideation program. Um, we have a MADX, uh innovation week every year where we actually showcase a lot of the stuff that we've been trialing. But there's also sort of a, a regular cycle of um, proof of concepts and trials and things that people can get involved in throughout the year. So definitely, if, if you come to Maddox, come and check out what's happening in the innovation program because there's some really interesting opportunities there for people of all levels of experience.
0: I think um, a question on my mind and potentially uh, on Declan's and on will be on the minds of our listeners uh, as junior lawyers and uh, as graduates and law clerks who are coming into the profession um, What's coming next, Vicky and Elise? <laughs> you know, what, what what should we be expecting in the future? Um, is there any way to, you know, to foresee what kind of tech changes will be coming, or, or do you have a, you know, any insight into, into what might be on the horizon for, you know, the way that uh, legal departments and law firms are are adapting and changing in the future?
2: Um, I I guess my reflection on that is, um. What's coming next is, uh, I think, the ability to tailor the tools that we want to use to exactly meet our needs. I think that's what's so exciting. So if you think about the software that we might have used when I entered the legal profession, it wasn't necessarily designed for use by lawyers. it was designed to you know it was it was very standardized, used across different industries and kind of had mass market appeal. But I think what we're seeing now is um, through through the use of AI, we've got we're we're getting tools that will become um, honed for specific use within our firm for use with our precedents and delivering um, advices that look and feel like Maddox advice. Um, so I think what's exciting is um, and and, it, and it's not just one single suite of tools. I think the other thing is that there are it's going to be a constantly changing set of kind of things that are like add-ins, technology add-ins that are going to be just enhancing something that um, um, that we are already doing. Uh, don't know if you agree with that, Vicky?
3: Yeah, I, I agree. I've got a slightly different angle on it, I suppose, um, coming from the knowledge management perspective rather than pure legal tech. So, we're as law firms, we sit on a big Pile of data. Uh, You know, there's stuff sitting in our document management systems, there's stuff sitting in our knowledge uh, systems. And what we look at as the sort of the next best thing is how to actually extract value out of those sets of data so that we can actually make better decisions or we can, you know, do something faster and more effectively and tap into the whole organization's knowledge rather than just what exists within our own information bubble. So um, one of the things we're trialling at the moment is a a very um, interesting AI-driven knowledge bank, which actually anticipates um, potentially what you would want to draft as you go. And that works from within Word. So lawyers can stay within their usual workflow, drafting away, and tap into the knowledge bank Um, and so it's rather than just being a big static repository it's something that they can interact with and that will throw up suggestions as you draft so that's a pretty exciting one um and, but look, there's a, also workflow automation is another big area of um, opportunity, I think. and the, the the legal tech courses that are offered at university undergraduate level are, you know giving a bit of would, would give you a bit of insight into how they could be used in practice. So again that's taking process and streamlining it, making it a lot more effective and and making it more of a pleasure to interact with the content as well rather than just, you know, lengthy Word documents or hideous Excel workbooks. <laughs> yeah. It's, Sounds so familiar. It's, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so it's, it's actually making that whole, um, streamlining the process, but also making it a, a better user experience. I think that's what we're ultimately looking for, not just for us, but also for clients.
1: I think one thing that it was on my mind is I came across a... Um, it was a, a webinar for and it was about um i think it was bp who globally had um changed their um their they had ai software in their procurement space so all of their contracts were sort of and it was a very sophisticated system where they basically cut down their procurement time from for each contract from like a, a month and a half to five days worth of negotiation time and for a firm like Maddox at this point it might not be worth the sort of the return on investment just because it was really big software but one thing that struck me from a construction and projects viewpoint is that what it managed to do was the software worked out that 90 percent of the contract is not relevant to the actual commercial decisions that are being made because that just needs to be in the contract but it's not where the what the risk sort of turns on and I, I see that as being very similar to a construction contract where there are sort of several sticking points that all of the risk is sort of allocated between the parties and what this software did was it basically spat out a number at the end of the after a contract review that said this contract is given this risk rating to this party because of these factors um and, and i guess my sort of from a construction point of view to make everyone's job a lot easier because you could get a contract and review it in a third of the time and you know exactly the the parts that you're going to be negotiating on. It just cuts down everyone's time. How, I guess my question is how far off do you think that sort of really sophisticated AI technology is from being really accessible and across the industry as a whole as opposed to being the shining light of the future? So...
2: Yeah, I, I do know that example and it was it was a really great webinar. Um, I think we have to accept that, that is, that's valuable and that kind of investment will be made by big companies who see value in that contract lifecycle management investment and, and the returns that that can give them in terms of time and availability of their key risk managers. Um, you know, they, they get implementing a system like that takes a, a lot of, Um, you know, a a large tech budget item, even in in tech spend. Um, So that kind of investment only makes sense for companies of a certain scale. Um, But what's, so I don't expect that even all of our technology clients would, would be investing today in contract management lifecycle systems that are quite that advanced. Um, But it's, it's fair to say that as part of our practice as technology lawyers, we're not just going to be looking at contracts in a vacuum. We are going to need to understand what, how is risk managed within their organisation? How do they, how, what is their process for contract lifecycle management? And where does the input of our advice feed into whatever system they have for that? Whether it's still quite manual as it is in most places, or whether it's automated the way. It is for BP in that example. Um, so we, we just have to stay curious about, um, you know, the advice that we're delivering up. Where does that get ingested for our clients? And and can we, can we give it to them in a form that they can um, get benefit of it, not just for this deal, but um, that it can be of benefit to them for future deals over and over again, because we've settled an issue that will come up again. Um so I think I think what it's doing is like I don't think it's going to be mainstream. I don't think we're going to see that everywhere say suddenly appearing in the next 2 years. I think the life cycle of implementing those things is going to take a lot longer, but it is important that we are already kind of sensitive to where, where are where is our each of our where are each of our clients on this kind of technology transformation journey and how does what we're delivering fit into their vision of where they're taking um, contracts in their organisation. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, I, I, I agree with Elise and it makes sense to me. I, I think there's small things we can do now though and at the end of the day, at you, where you begin with these tech projects is, is usually looking at your existing processes and trying to work out, you know, where you can standardise, how you can simplify, you know, what lends itself to automation, what doesn't and that, exercise in its own right that design and, and rethinking piece is of value and that's the sort of stuff you can start doing now and take small steps towards your know, building risk reports which may then in turn be able to be pushed through um, you know say an expert process uh, system so with as with everything it begins with what's in our mu- in our brains and getting that down into some sort of tangible form and communicating to your other um, colleagues about that and you know sense checking it and and adjusting it before you even think about touching it with any tech um, and that that takes time but it's work it's definitely worth s- starting tomorrow if you haven't started it today
0: so I think in uh, in closing out the episode Vicky and Elise can you maybe leave us with um, you know some skills or, or some insight into the type of skills that lawyers will need to cope with the new digital t- tools uh, that we're seeing for like you know do, do me and Declan need to start learning how to code do we need to <laughs> oh, no. go back to you know do an <laughs> it course or <laughs> what kind of skills are you are you foreseeing that that lawyers will need in their day-to-day lives to um you know to manage and to adapt to these new new innovations
3: uh, look, my my view is you don't have to learn how to code. If you want to do it, go and knock yourselves out. But um, a lot of the tools that we're working with now are, are really very low code or no code completely. Um, you know It takes a long time to actually develop really great coding skills and there's some fantastic experts in the firm that you can actually work with if you do actually need to go down that path. But um, for some of the sort of the digitising of legal processes, you don't actually need to go down that path and we've got tools that actually help you Um, create an app uh, without ever writing a line of code although appreciating the skills that go into writing the line of code is definitely something I would recommend Um, you know lawyers don't know everything basically and that's fine (laughs) work with the people who do (laughs) so yeah your perspective
2: yeah I would just add um, like one of one of the skills that's going to get you a long way in coping with having to um, adapt to new tools as they come on the market, um, you know, it, that, that is being a good change manager in yourself and in, in your team. So um, under, understanding the challenges, you know, when you're, when you're testing a tool, understanding how to give feedback to make it better, Um, as a tool for use in your team and just being open to being, you know, constructively critical of the tools and and the way that we're doing things um, with a view to continuous improvement. Um, I think just even that skill of change management and leading others through change is going to be really valued in any team um, in-house or in private practice um, because the rate of change and adoption of new technology is going to continue to increase.
3: And I think just maybe being remember to be a good communicator and yeah. be collaborative with your peers and your clients. Uh, you know, they're, they're skills that will take you far in life as well as in legal practice. So uh, that would be my word of advice. Yeah, get curious, get educated and get involved.
0: Excellent. Bit, extremely good tips. Thank you so much, Vicky and Elise. Yeah, thank you both. both.
1: Um, it's It's nice to sort of come out of this episode feeling optimistic about, how we're going to work with technology rather than being fearful that it's going to take my job away from me. So that's, no. that's reassuring. No, no
3: robot lawyers anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: right. No, I strongly believe it's ours to decide how it's going to enhance what we do and that's exciting.
1: Yeah. Because okay. I'm sure all of our, our, our junior lawyer listeners um, will be sort of feeling the same. So thank you very much for, for coming on the podcast today thanks for having
2: us yeah thanks for having us
1: and as always to everyone um if you've got any questions head over to the maddox lawyers instagram account and send us a message and please don't forget to rate review and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts um and this has been our last episode for season two so thank you to all our listeners and good luck for the those students who are completing their clerkship applications and we'll we'll speak to you if the the firm brings us back for season three so all the best (laughs) and thanks to amelia for co-hosting again and